Hello and welcome to ChamberCast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce's podcast. I'm your host, Jack Genoway. Many of our public spaces and buildings are equipped with access for people with physical limitations, but some businesses are now setting themselves up to ensure that all people in Billings feel welcomed and have accessible options, focusing on those with autism or sensory needs. My guests today are some trailblazers on that front. I'm joined by Shelly Mann. Welcome back to the show, Shelly. Thank you. Shelly is the general manager of the Boot Hill Inn and Michelle Williams, the executive director of the Billings Depot. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And our celebrity guest host this week is Alex Tyson, executive director of Visit Billings. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So I'll start with a question uh, for all three of you, actually, because Visit Billings, Boot Hill and the Depot have all become certified autism centers why did each of you want to pursue this designation? And I think we'll start with Michelle. So for us, it was important for us to get the certification for a number of reasons. First of all, we host hundreds and thousands of people at the depot in downtown throughout the year. And so it's important for us to make sure that our guests feel welcome, but also the people who rent the space, we want their guests to also feel like they can attend their family's events or these business meetings and know that they'll be accommodated and and welcomed appropriately. It was also important for us to support this larger initiative within the community to make the community of Billings more inclusive and welcoming and a destination for autism. Shelley? Well, when Alex first approached the Tourism Business Improvement District about this concept of certified autism center and certified autism destination, it certainly resonated with me. And I knew immediately we wanted to be a part. I had heard a statistic that I found very sobering that 92% of families who have a neurodivergent loved one will hesitate to travel or will not travel at all. And being in the travel industry, that is so sad. There is an amazing world out there and they should feel comfortable traveling with anyone in their family. So Alex, why did you want the visitor center to be a certified autism destination? And what is this larger initiative that Michelle and Shelley have been referring to? Yeah. So for us, it was, you know, we, first of all, like as a marketing and tourism arm for the destination, it's important to us to make sure that our visitors feel welcome. And it doesn't matter, you know, what you're coming to Billings to do, whether it's business travel, leisure travel, sports, we want to make sure that we're an inclusive, welcoming destination. And so from a marketing perspective, we inspire people to come to Billings we, you know, tell them why they should make Billings part of their itinerary. But secondary to that is orienting people about coming to Billings, how to get here, what to do when you're here. And then another significant point of that is facilitation. So when you're here, we want to make sure that you're having a good time and that we're facilitating your stay. And by that, I mean, you know, a positive experience when you're checking into your hotel or when you're here for an event or a sporting event or at a restaurant or a retailer, uh, that sort of thing. So we have over the course of, you know, I've been here for 10 years in this position, and it's incredible when we're facilitating and orienting visitors, how many of them have neurodiversities or have disabilities where we're needing to have more education and armed with more tools to make sure that we're facilitating them appropriately. And in the spring of 2021, 
I was specifically working with somebody who wanted to go uh, to Yellowstone. They were coming with two families. One of them, uh, when they each had two or three kids, and one of them are a teenager with autism. And so for us, it was a very interesting time because, you know, it was this constant conversation about, okay, well, what time of day does it get hot? If we're going horseback riding, what time should we go horseback riding? Um, what about food? Am I going to be able to get the normal food? You know, because a lot of people think that in this, this family was coming from New York or these families. And so for us, it was just like, oh, wow, we don't really have the tools to be able to help people. And, you know, we have 2.6 million people who come here annually spending $621 million. It's on us to make sure that we're fostering this very important industry and making sure that we're inclusive and able to facilitate all of our visitors was very important to us. And long story longer, we were at a conference a year ago and Mesa, Arizona was a guest speaker. Uh, one of the, my equivalent in, in Mesa, Arizona was a guest speaker talking about how they had worked with the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education and how they had gotten uh, certified autism travel planning and travel professionals within their staff so that they could actually facilitate their staff appropriately. And so that's what got the ball rolling. And then, as Shelley mentioned, it was the TBID board then who was like, hey, we need to do this for the community, uh, which then allowed us to become certified autism travel planners as a staff and as a board. And then Shelly was the first to just take it and run. And Michelle was right there behind her. So this is, I mean, when I first heard about this, my first thought was, you know, as a hotel, you don't want to lose out on a potential customer versus another hotel that's maybe set up better to accommodate someone with autism. But this is so much bigger than that. This is really about unlocking travel for a pretty significant category of people. It is. And so do families that have someone in their life with autism, do they know to look for this type of thing? Or is there any sort of promotion going on with this or anything like that? I think it's it's fairly new. When we first explored this concept of a certified autism center for the Booth Hill Inn, I started looking online for hotels that were specifically designated. No one in Montana, no one in Wyoming, no one in Idaho, no one in Washington or Oregon. So that is how cutting edge Billings, Montana has been in this. I got a really nice note from a counselor out of Great Falls, Montana, and she specifically mentioned how excited she is to see this shift in attitude happening. So it is fairly new, I do believe. And there is such a wonderful community amongst those who have a loved one with, who is neurodivergent. And they talk. And so we are finding at Boot Hill Inn that people are calling us up who heard from a friend, who heard from a friend. So even though there is marketing that has to be done on our end, our very best publicity has been the word of mouth. And of course, with social media out there, it, it, is, it is exploding. And I think to paint a small picture of what a family, you know, or an individual might be dealing with, you know, let's just say that, you know, we have a family who has, you know, a teenager uh, with autism who comes to, to town, staying in the community. Um, and, you know, after a very stimulating day, maybe they're at the fair, maybe they go to the zoo, at whatever pace this is, uh, this child is uh, overstimulated and they're coming into the hotel um, and possibly having, you know, a very, you know, 
just a what would be a normal a normal situation for them to just know that they you know the family knows that they need to find quiet space but then you've got other children who also need to have you know safety and 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 pace and so it's walking into the hotel uh, the the you know Shelley's team for instance realizing that this isn't a law enforcement situation this is hey this family is dealing with a neurodiversity and over an overstimulation and we need to get into a quiet room and the, and the, you know where the children and the rest of the family can retreat to the hotel room but that the uh, that the child who needs just quiet time and to be cared for has a place to go so it's not calling 911 it's mm-hmm. you know and, and there's a safety in that which like you know you were saying unlocks that tourism piece and lets somebody go gosh you know we want to come and do these things in billings but we're so nervous and stressed out about the potential of what could happen that we're hesitant to do so. And this allows a family to really um, have access to that tourism piece or that travel piece. And we had two specific instances at the depot recently um, before we were certified. We had a travel dinner come through. And when the family arrived, they let us know that their son is autistic and that he is overstimulated in large groups and with loud noises. And our hosts were very gracious and welcoming. And the son sat at the dinner table with a blanket over his head. Um, another instance was during a wedding. And similar, the, the mother let us know that her child was autistic. Um, and during the middle of the ceremony, she had to take him outside. Now, after the training, I think we would have handled it significantly different. In the moment, we were grateful that the the parents and the family understood and were prepared to handle specific situations. But now we do have the the quiet space and the activities to help them settle down a little bit more. And our staff is trained and understands what's going on and not just that they need to be taken out, but understand why and what's causing it. And so the training has significantly helped us. And I wish we would have done it sooner. So you both mentioned a couple of elements of it already, but let's just get into it. What goes into becoming a certified autism center and what sort of accommodations do you have now that you didn't have before? Mm -hmm. So I I mentioned the quiet space. We also have a designated loading zone, um, which is also ADA compliant and some um, designated parking spaces that we can enable. And then We've also created these sensory packs for kids. So if a child does need to be, you know, exist within that quiet space for a little bit, um, we have some coloring tools, some small games, some building things, anything that they can do to just kind of work with their hands or kind of calm down or, or relieve any of that sensory stress that they've been feeling. And as a hotel, we... The training was so important. Um, And jumping back a little bit to when uh, this family member is overstimulated, what the training has taught us is not only how to assist, you know, and basically assisting means stepping back, but handling the other guests. You know, we are there to, to play interference and know this child is not misbehaving. We need to just give them the space. And and the parents will take care of it. So that's been an important part of our training. Some of the accommodations that we have made is when we know in advance, and, and families are very good about preparing us. 
and letting us know, as Michelle said, that that they're traveling with a neurodivergent child or family member. So we will have the check-in ready. We will immediately give them their kit, their keys, so they can go straight to their room. There's no lines. There's no waiting while the parents are signing. We also have a kit, a tote that they can check out. Other things that we offer is weighted blankets that they can borrow, um, a pop-up tent that will fit not only in our breakfast area, but in the guest room, in a lobby, outside on the grass, where um, this, this family member can, can huddle inside a tent. The key thing that we've learned here is every family is different. And don't be afraid to ask these families what would be helpful to you for us to have available for you. And so our weighted blankets may only get used three times a year. But the fact that that family who is traveling knows that we have made that effort, even if they don't need to use that weighted blanket, that that is a huge plus for the Booth Hill Inn. We have employees who have children with autism. I have friends who have children with autism or grandchildren. And again, simply asking those questions. What could we add? And it's been, it's been a uh, continuing education process. You both mentioned training. What did that process look like for your staff? Yeah, so for the depot, we have full-time staff and we have part-time staff who specifically are dedicated to working events. And the training process was different for each of them. So for the full-time staff, because they're engaging with the individuals a little bit more, um, it is more of an in-depth training. And then they are able to put processes in place for the part-time staff to follow. The part-time staff was fairly simplified, but hit all the high points and really did, did give them the tools to kind of foresee and know what to look for in large groups and then be able to handle those situations appropriately and apply the, the, the best tools to help the individual. Technically, IBCCES uh, requires at least 80% of the staff to be trained. Uh, our goal at the Booth Hill Inn is 100%. Of course, with so many businesses in town, there is a constant turnover. Mm -hmm. So there is always that challenge of getting that new employee trained. But if we make it a priority, if we make it a part of their onboarding, then it is easier. As Michelle mentioned, uh, there are different lengths. The training can go from 30 minutes for frontline staff, part-time staff, to eight hours for management. And uh, we have uh, a range of employees who have been through the different length of training. If I can jump in too and just kind of uh, share with like really what the strategy is here. So, you know, from a visit billings, TBID board, uh, chamber staff, and uh, executive committee of the Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors, for us to even go to the next level where Shelly and Michelle and the zoo could have been certified, we had to get certified at that 80% rate. 80% of our leadership and 80% of our staff all had to be certified uh, on a different level, as Shelly and Michelle both alluded to, like from a part-time to a full-time employee type of thing. So to become a certified autism travel planner, it's about four hours of training. The the uh, From a financial point of view, there is definitely a financial commitment, but it's very reasonable. 
Um, but our goal is, so we're a certified autism center as certified autism travel planners. And then in order for us, the next step right now that we're working on actively is to become a certified autism destination. And in order to become a certified autism destination, we have to have five or six hotels, five or six restaurants, five or six attractions. And then you also have to get the medical community and law enforcement involved as well. And then once we reach that threshold, then we can start working on the certified autism community, which is our ultimate goal would be to be a certified community. You know, and this isn't just a small population. We're talking one in four uh, people are diagnosed with autism. And, you know, this is a very important, you know, whether you're on, the, however you're on the spectrum. And, you know, none of us are, are here after doing our, our training with IBCCES thinking that we're clinical. You know, you know they're, we're, we're doing our best as, as uh, champions for, for our neighbors and for our visitors to be uh, very welcoming to the people who choose to come here and do business. And um, it's very important for the community to embrace this, which they have. Um, it's just also a lot of times just the commitment level, but we're, we're working towards that destination certification first. How close are we to getting that designation? Yeah, so we have um, many, many people in the pipeline. Uh, the zoo was a big deal for us and uh, IBCCES with a, a venue like the zoo or a museum, they have to come in and do an actual audit. Um, and so, you know, you're working one-on-one -on -one with them um, you know, via Zoom and the training and that sort of thing. But for certain venues, in order for them to be fully certified, like the zoo, you have to have the audit in person. And so you've got a, we've got a couple of those in the pipeline, a couple of other hotels in the pipeline, a couple of other venues that are, you know, like a, um, you know, a music venue and that sort of thing in the pipeline. But it ultimately is, um, you know, everybody wants to be a part of it, you know, and I think that we've got great support the TBID board has agreed to grant up to certain percentages of training uh, to help um, to help make sure that we we reach this uh, tourism destination designation for our visitors. Um, and so I think that we've got great momentum. If I could add, imagine what this would look like for Billings if we even put together an autism trail. So a family is coming into Billings, say for a wedding. We could also provide them with the partners that we have, the hotels, the restaurants, go to the zoo. They have these sensory guides that will tell you where the animals are especially smelly. That was an education for me when I did this walkthrough with the zoo is smells can be a trigger. And uh, so if we could put that kind of a tool in the hands of these families, the 92% that right now are afraid to travel, imagine what that would look like for Billings. And where we can help from a greater good point of view too, is to Shelly's point, is being able to, you know, if you go to visitbillings.com, uh, you know, we have our Great American Road Trip, a lot of our regional marketing pieces, a lot of our national marketing pieces. But, you know, one of our great things that we market on a national basis right now is that Midwest and Southern Drive route. Uh, where you have, you know, you hit Badlands and Mount Rushmore, Devil's Tower, Little Bighorn Battlefield National Monument, Pompey's Pillar. You make Billings part of that itinerary, and then you drop in over the Beartooth Highway and into Yellowstone. That's really like our the kind of the bread and butter of our national marketing campaigns. And if you're able to maybe not get Little Bighorn Battlefield, you know, the, the National Park Service on board, 
um, some of those things that there are definitely businesses and organizations that are very difficult to get that 80% threshold or maybe a governmental agency that might not be as easy, not in a negative way, but not may not be as easy to certify. What we can do is on our website, you have that, that, that roadmap, and then you're giving suggestions throughout that roadmap. So, you know, if you go to Little Bighorn Battlefield National Monument, this is what you're going to see. This is what the gate might be like. This is what the visitor center might be like. There is definitely, you know, green space for you to be able to relax and have lower stimulating um, experiences. Same thing with the Pompeii's Pillar type of thing. And then when you get to Billings, you can go to the depot. Here's the boot hill. Here's the zoo. And and this is how we're supportive in this capacity. And that will all be on our website. And if you go to visit Mesa's website, they have a huge website that is all dedicated to autism travel. And that is our ultimate goal as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask at some point about the sort of business benefit of, of un undertaking this. And I think you've already answered that question pretty well. One in four people have some sort of a diagnosis and 90% are, are hesitant to travel. So I think that's a pretty substantial market that we're potentially being able to tap into here. And Jack, may I mention an unexpected benefit that we are seeing? And that is in our hiring uh, because we are all competing for these employees. It's tough to find employees right now. But when they come in and they sit, at, sit down for an interview, and I mentioned you will be expected to go through this certified autism center training. This is who we are. This is what we do. It sets them back and they are impressed and inevitably they know someone. They have a loved one who falls under the spectrum and they want to work for a business that is that inclusive. It has been a, a nice side benefit for mm -hmm. us. I think another um, maybe unfortunate statistic is um, because of this negative stigma that goes along with autism and what people perceive it to be. Um, it's unfortunate to know how many people don't attend family weddings or family reunions or they don't travel for business conferences and um, they don't participate and explore cities like they could because they don't always feel welcome. And so I think that's another big part of this, being able to respond to that, letting people know that um, we do want you here. We want you part of this event. We've taken the necessary steps to make sure that you will be accommodated and and that it's okay to bring your children here and it's okay to participate in this business event, whereas before they might have been hesitant to do so. Yeah, that could be a great reason for someone to choose the depot over another venue or to choose Billings over a different city. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good point. You know, the other thing too is um, if, you, if you do look at how... Um, some of the families that we've talked with and how, to your point, just how relieved people are like, oh my gosh, you know, they've, they've planned in these, you know, in, without any assistance for so long and, and contemplated um, travel and contemplated certain trips that they've just decided to not do. And now it's like, gosh, I have somebody who will meet me halfway or meet me on the other side when we're traveling. I think that that's very important. You know, when we were going through this, the initial stages you know, you're, you want to, you're doing it for the, for the reason of wanting to make sure that you're inclusive, right? And that you see this need in your visitor population and how can you meet the needs of, of this demographic? One in six people has a sensitivity uh, disorder. 
um, and then the one in 44 with an autism diagnosis. But if you look at um, the, 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 you know, we would be like, you know, sometimes IBCCES would share like some financial statistics about the, you know, the um, kind of the, the bottom line of a business that is certified versus the bottom line of the same type of business that isn't certified. And you kind of go, gosh, I, I don't know, that seems, you know, like a little bit unethical. Like, am I really going to become, am I going to become certified because, you know, my bottom line and you feel like maybe it doesn't feel right. They're like, rest assured, like this is part of it. You're making the commitment. You see the need um, for, so for billings or for certain businesses to invest in this and understand the importance of it. It's OK to get that ROI on your investment from the training point of view. Yeah, to really wrap in the Chamber's uh, diversity, equity and inclusion work, you know, William Henry, who does our training, says this all the time. When when no one gets left behind, everybody moves forward. And that includes the majority. Yeah, very good. Well, before I let you go, uh, at the end of every episode, we like to do what we call the Rorschach questions. These are kind of fun, get to know you questions. So I'm going to hold up an ink blot in the form of a question and I'll ask for your first response. So first of all, when you're traveling, what is the first thing you look for in terms of accommodations? We'll start with our hotelier. Oh, gosh. Uh... How do you evaluate your competition? <laughs> Imagine you're in Santa Fe or in Yellowstone, Shelly. Right. Yeah. Location. I want a place that is going to have uh, opportunity for me to explore close by the hotel. And then I do look at their reviews. As much as we as hoteliers hate reviews, I like to look and see how are the employees. Do they treat the guests well and do they respond to mistakes well? So, yeah, location first, uh, reviews, and uh, I never book through a third-party website. Everyone, (laughs) make notes. Book direct. (laughs) You can go to a third-party website and check the reviews, but book direct because otherwise those third-party sites take the ability to provide great service out of the hotelier's hands. So that's my PSA for the day. Well, well stated. (laughs) Alex? Uh, For me, gosh, I would have to agree with Shelly. I look at the reviews and it doesn't mean like one or two bad reviews is going to like change my mind. But I'll look at what the majority of the reviews are. And then ultimately it is that experience. You know, I'll go back to the same place over and over again, simply because you know that you're going to be treated well. Michelle? When I travel, it's I I look for a couple things. Um, one is walkability, because sometimes when you travel for business, you only have a little bit of time and you want to go to someplace nice, but close. So walkability within the space. But then I also look for something unique that I might not get anywhere else. So um, I probably should pay attention to reviews more, but I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm always looking for, um, you know, something to learn, something new to experience and what I can do within just a walking radius. This episode is going to be coming out on October 19th, which is just the peak of fall, my favorite season. What is the one thing you have to do every single fall season before winter comes? And this time we'll start with Michelle. Oh my gosh, I replace all the candles in my house. That seems silly, but I have to go from like flowers to, you know, the pumpkin spice candles. You just got to do it. I love that, Michelle. Yeah. (laughs) Shelly? I have to travel up to the Gardner area, Yellowstone, and listen to the Elk Bugle. I love uh, that. Yeah, Alex? 
I definitely get into like the opposite of spring cleaning mode. I am a I'd also mm-hmm. switch out my candles, but I have to clean and prepare for <laughs> being, you know, dug uh, in for the winter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, I might not make it out, so I better be like really comfortable with my surroundings. So spring cleaning, it's it's fall recluttering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to ask you all to weigh in on a polarizing debate. All right. So no dodging this very controversial question. Do you like candy corn? Love candy corn. I'm the only one of my household who loves it, though. That means it's all mine. From afar, I can appreciate candy corn. It's not something I'm going to eat all the time. It makes a really nice decoration, but I will not eat it. <laughs> I, I've got to get one or two of those candy corn pumpkins every year, and then yes. I'm good. I love candy corn. I do. Very right. nostalgic. The last question is going to become a staple question uh, related to our Front Porch Initiative. How long have you lived in Billings and what keeps you here? Whoever wants to go first. We moved to Billings 35 years ago from the Seattle area because we wanted a better place to raise our family. And we definitely found it. What keeps me in Billings is the people. I have such amazing relationships here in Billings. I love to see the way Billings is growing in diversity, in um, opportunities to explore. Alberta Bear is doing such a fantastic job with the shows they're bringing in and our zoo. And and yeah, this is where we will retire. Michelle? I moved here in 2009 and I moved here for the the outdoor and the kind of ranching agricultural culture. I stay because like Shelly, the people are incredible. And once you are connected into like this network, um, it's really difficult to leave. It's really hard to find it elsewhere. And it is incredible to be able to have just the, the connection to the community itself and to have an impact on the community if you want it, if you want to get involved in community events and community growth and community diversity, it, there's every opportunity for you to do that and to have your own impact on the community. I moved here in the 90s. I won't say when in the 90s. Um, <laughs> and what keeps me here is this community has offered uh, myself and my family such amazing opportunity. Uh, it's a it's an incredible community, uh, you know, where we're situated and what we have around us, you know, like as Shelly alluded to earlier with Yellowstone being right where we are, right, right where it is and our access points, Red Lodge and everything that Billings has to offer as a community is what keeps me here. I will say that what's important about as we look to, you know, uh, stress our priorities and and communicate about how to best uh, attract workforce and attract residents. It's very important for in the same breath to say, how are we going to keep the people that we have in our community? You know, why are we going to choose to retire here? And I think that, you know, those conversations go hand in hand about wanting to be a very attractive destination and community uh, and be at our best. But um, the people in this community are amazing. Well, thank you all so much for taking part in this episode today. I know I learned a lot and I'm really excited to see where this goes. I think this is a tremendous opportunity for all of you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much to Michelle and Shelly for joining us today. And thank you to Alex for co-hosting. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a certified autism center, we will have some resources in the show notes. If you'd like to advertise with us, suggest a topic, or ask a question, please feel free to email us at podcast at billingschamber.com. Don't forget to rate us on your preferred platform and subscribe to Chambercast wherever you get your podcasts because there is something here for everyone.